Well, well, well. Welcome back, guys. Well, welcome back to me. This is Juan, and uh, this is this Juan time, and it's been a very long time. 2020 has been a rough one for all of us, but uh, today we are having on my friends Johnny and Regula of the Upper Strata. They are they are a band right now based in Switzerland and they put out awesome music they're very interesting and very educated and cultured so this is always a fun conversation with them so i hope you guys enjoy thanks so i think we're recording are we um hey wow might as well just send it and we'll go from here yeah, it's that gonna wine be. really kicked in. I see you twice now. Yeah. <laughs> is it jumping back and forth? No, it's just just two of you hanging out. <laughs> it's a party now. It, yeah, <laughs> we're probably breaking some kind of COVID regulation. Too many people in this meeting right now, or something. <laughs> but uh, well, that's what happens. So, um, yeah, and now I don't hear anything. Okay, now I hear something. Yeah, cool. you dropped out for a little bit. So we're going to have to patch all this together at some point anyhow, huh? We will. <laughs> this this is a new one. <laughs> but an international one. Exactly. Right? So you you folks are the some... only exceptions. And it's probably the last time you will ever do that again. You no, know, I think <laughs> once I get it down, because I've definitely wanted to do this and stream, but right. Yeah, as you can see, it's a little Technical bit of a headache stuff. here and there. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you want to just do a live stream, that's plenty easy. But trying to record it and oh, yes. do everything else and and have like it have it be a two-way thing it's yeah no it's i mean i was trying to get my head around it but it's like ah, no juan knows his stuff we'll figure it out <laughs> it did i think i started working on it like 10 or so <laughs> so it's been a solid four hours and even then we barely got it down so how have you been uh good overall yeah just trucking along um it's really nice that you guys reached out, though, because, you know, I've been tentative on getting more episodes. Mm -hmm. So when you guys reached out, I was like, OK, awesome. Let's. Uh... <laughs> and then this was going to make it interesting. So I was like, let's just go, you know, because, yeah, right. I think the last one I did was late March. So right before everything hit. Oh wow. So it's it's been a long time and a little bit of that was you know I like to do mine in person and some people weren't comfortable comfortable with that. Yeah. And uh you know with good reason. And then the kids stayed at home, you know, so schooling was done here. So that was my job, especially while I was on furlough. And so right. I was a teacher um mom was working out of the kitchen <laughs> or the dining room you know she works uh in a call center essentially 
So, you know, she was the one still working and I was the uh, the housekeeper, the teacher. She still cooked. <laughs> um, so All the stuff that women never got much credit for it, that exactly. they should have gotten a lot of credit for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so my hands were full and maybe that's a little bit of an excuse, but yeah, I really just slowed down with all these uh podcasts but i got a few lined mm -hmm. up now thanks to you guys i mean once nice. we kind of like we're like hey let's do it i was like okay let's start churning again cool cool so you do another whiskey one but appreciate you with austin and <laughs> do another one with austin with the whiskey and oh yeah <laughs> that, I watched that one. It was like, damn, this thing is still on. It's like I was cooking, I was watching it, and I was eating. It was still going. It was I'm going. Like, those guys. It was a journey go under the table. You're gonna, you know, she's working for a wine and liquor distributor now, so uh -oh. she's had to learn about about spirits more. So yeah, like the um, everything like the aromatics and how it, it affects your palate. Yeah, I think we have over a thousand uh, single malts. Oh, good. And I just saw a few that you had in the show, and I'm like, yeah, we got that, we got that, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I had them, but we have them in the store. Oh, gotcha. What was it? Thousand dollar bottles of gin and crazy stuff. They have some really crazy things. Oh, wow. Because you guys, but... again, you guys are in Switzerland. Yep. Is it outside of uh, Basel? Yes. Well, we're in Basel, actually, uh, proper. Okay. Uh, Baselstadt, which is Basel, the city, versus Baselland, which is like the county okay. of Basel. Kind of like that. It's not It's not exactly like that. Sort of like there's the state of Basel, and, there, and then there's the state of the city of Basel, if that makes any sense. Because cantons are sort of like states, but they're also sort of like countries, so it's not a clean analogy you know what i'm saying it's like hmm. i mean they're in, they're individual countries and they would have been uh historically yeah like back in the middle ages they were kingdoms that's true and pretty much anywhere you go it's like oh yeah there's a castle that was the castle of the town that was where everybody fell back to when when who knows who was coming through to <laughs> stomping through town right so the even i'm teaching english a little bit in this little town pratland and i'm wandering around through pratland and i took a different way to work and there's the castle there's the castle pratland and it never really even clicked for me i was on the street which was schloss street or yeah which is castle street and it <laughs> never clicked it oh there must be a castle on the street somewhere and sure enough there was so there's some uh, logic to the names yeah, for sure. For sure. Sometimes I haven't figured out all of them yet. Like we, we have a street that's uh, where the the monks kept their firewood and it's Bruderholz. So the brothers kept the firewood at, you know, it's just, yeah, logic, like you say. Oh, like so, really, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not to the point, but like literal. Right, right. Like, like table mesa. <laughs> <laughs> Kaya Street. I love that one. That one's good. Oh, that's right. That reminds me of my um, my high school and our mascot. Our high school was called Antelope, and our mascot was mm -hmm. Ram. 
So two <laughs> two deer essentially. We were the antelope rams. Why? I'm confused. <laughs> Some kind of genetic mutation going on there. Yeah. So the castles are those open for you to venture in? A lot of times, a lot of times, some of them are in ruin. You know, they haven't they haven't been used for you know centuries. Um, but a lot of them are museums. Like the Protland Castle, the one that I was just talking about, is uh, it's a museum. It's a medieval museum. You can go see it. Um, they have tours and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But some of them, like battlements and things, especially in this area, because we're pretty close to the German border, so. A lot of stuff didn't survive. Uh, a lot of stuff got bombed. So, um, but uh, and on the on the other borders of Switzerland, that's the case as well. But and in in some cases, it's just the stuff got looted. Right? Yeah. We need to build a new building, so they went and grabbed all the stone from the old building and made a new building. We saw a lot of that in Sicily when we were just in Sicily a few months ago, and. You're looking at the ground floor and it's Greek and then the top floor is Roman and then, the, you know, it's like it's all just looted rocks and stones and pillars from other pagan temples. Yeah. Now in a Catholic church. So it's kind of funny. But it is funny. Yeah. It, it, it That's a crazy thing, though, because you get to play detective wandering around and see looking at that stuff. Oh, that's Norman. What's that? doing here mm-hmm. that's medieval hmm that's it's kind of fun but yeah that's a big big difference here is the history so much history all the time um you know you go jogging and it's past some ancient monastery or something like this you know or Damn. looking at towers and battlements and things yeah and We'd it's, and it's always been bustling you know like yeah. there have always been big towns or villages and cities mm. Yeah, um, Basel was a Roman city originally. I mean, it was it's been around that long. Damn, and um, it got a big burst of activity when there was a papal convention here in the Middle Ages. So they built all, like what became one of the first universities in Europe in Basel. So, um, and it was it's now the Museum of Cultures and like the main square of the town. Um, but that was started in the Middle Ages. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's ups and downs. You'll read things parenthetically. Like, I went to the History Museum, and they had this altarpiece that they sold to a museum in France. I'm like, well, why'd they do that? And then I read into it, oh, the city was bankrupt. Oh, so, yeah. it, you know, obviously there's ups and downs where, yeah, maybe we should sell off some of that Catholic stuff because we're all Protestants now. <laughs> Make some money and keep keep the town going. And so that's what happened. So, uh, yeah, bustling, always something going on, but uh, um, they're always kind of having to reinvent themselves. The big thing here was uh, pharmaceutical companies in the 90s. They started bringing in all these pharmaceutical companies. So that's a little what Basel's famous for now. Oh, okay. Is, uh, like... Uh, everybody Roche Novartis and Bayer and every single one you can think of is here (laughs) huge campuses huge factories huge yeah and so it's got a bad reputation but when you get to the old town area it's beautiful really beautiful so with that being said are they pretty strict with like um, prescription drugs that's the funny thing it's it's like it's all being produced here but like if you want painkillers you 
you're gonna have a hard time getting them. Yeah, that's what I was you wondering. Know? Like, are they? They don't. I mean, you get sick here. They 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 will prescribe fruit juice and tea. You know, <laughs> stuff like this. They just don't believe in it. They don't believe in getting you hooked on stuff and yeah, and lots of things with chemicals. And this is one of the few countries where you could actually be a homeopathic doctor and be a doctor. You can get certified yeah. in Switzerland. So. There's a whole other sort of folk knowledge, uh, herbal remedy knowledge that hasn't died out here, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I had, yeah, I mean, I remember getting prescribed beet juice for <laughs> for something, and I was like, seriously? Yeah, who's this kook? All right. All right. Kind of it's voodoo is this? No, it's that's true. It's true. true. It is true. <laughs> I actually kind of still like beet juice, actually, too. But uh, no, it's it's an interesting place like that. But no, I, I mean they do produce it here. But yeah, they're they don't really um, recommend using it very much. You know, it's it's a, it's a kind of dichotomy that they produce it, but they don't really want the stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> they awesome. They produce it for other markets. I know? mean, luckily, I guess I haven't been in a position where I really needed to take any because I can't tell you the last time I took any painkillers, ibuprofen, Tylenol, let alone some of the strong ones. Right. I just, I'm like, no thanks. I'll, I'll put up with the pain. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is best. <laughs> well, in antibiotics in the States, <clears throat> too many antibiotics, everything you get, I'll give them an antibiotic. It's pumped full. Yeah. It, so. Like, and they'll do tests of the river water and, like, sewage water and stuff, and it's just full of antibiotics and, and like, and chicken and beef and everything gets pumped full of that stuff, too, and you just don't get that here, either. Yeah. And I don't know how you You would think that if they're consuming it and then you're consuming them, that it won't affect you. Right. Right. Well, and it's all, I mean, uh, there's a woman by the name of Joyce Appleby, and she's, uh, historian who really focused on capitalism in America Mm -hmm. and the way mill rights became corporate rights. And she's an interesting woman. If you get a chance to read anything from her, ton of books that she's written, but she's, she's like the character of capitalism in America is just very, very unique in that everything is geared towards favoring the corporation more than the people. Mm -hmm. Whereas here it's like people don't want to work on Sunday. So things aren't open on Sunday. People don't want their vacations, so they get their vacation. You know, it's just like minimum wage here that you get your vacations. I can remember being in the States, and it's like, I can't afford to take a vacation. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go. For years and years, you might not go. And if you do, it might be like four or five days or something like that. It's not like two, three weeks. And here, it's kind of cuckoo like that. Everything's reversed, but it's like, well, we want to favor flavor (laughs) and... uh, and uh, the quality of the product versus is the company making more money. Yeah. You know, that's that's how it's flipped. Where it's like, here you might have somebody who, well, I just make enough sausage, you know, to get by, but I make really good sausage or really good cheese. Mm-hmm. It's not that I have to have it in every grocery store, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas in States, that's the dream, right? Yeah, you have to do, do everything to huge. excess or <laughs> you have to be... Just number one, the excellence of just being on right. top. But like you said, not yeah. about quality 
Like it's more or less mm-hmm. just like look how I'm, look how I'm winning. Like look at my bank statements. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm always disappointed. It's like, oh, it's a really great restaurant, and then you find out there's five more of them. You know, and it's like, ah. <laughs> It's a chain. I'm just kind of disappointed by that. But that's very American, right? No, you know? Yeah. The whole point is to all, expand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a neo-colonialism. So this is how we do, right? When we talk to one, we just end up just talking, right? So all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you brought me on for a reason. No. Yeah, there's that album we yeah. did. Yeah. Um, Let's touch on that because so, that was a, I mean, not a, a tremendously big jump. I don't want to say, but that last album you get, you guys did was very experimental. Okay, yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think we definitely went more into an ambient mm-hmm. mode on a lot of their tracks. I would be sitting around discovering that oh i can use this cello effect on my guitar Mm -hmm. pump it up with a bunch of reverb and it starts to sound like an orchestra and so a lot of the stuff on fog was just me sitting on a day off and looping and looping and like just layering layering of uh guitar tracks to make these kind of symphonic songs and regular on the other end was had a bunch of sequencers and she was making beats at work when she had downtime <laughs> she'd sit there and program in beats and she'd get frustrated because she'd have like 20 or 30 beats that she was really excited about and i'd have all these string things that i was excited about and we <laughs> we had to figure out how to meet halfway yeah uh, and um but the last two albums fog and neon glitz and to a lesser extent cabaret war tear were all beat driven they were they the basis was usually the sequencer beat and then this album it's acoustic mm-hmm. so that's that's the core of it i was writing all these songs and uh, but i was starting them on acoustic and there was a couple of reasons for that one was just that um i i had an acoustic around it was easy I've done that forever. I kind of gave it a break and was doing a lot of eight string uh-huh. stuff for a while. But then as well, um, we were talking about doing another tour in the States yeah. and just taking the acoustic, just doing an acoustic tour. Because for us as a duo, we can play a lot more places. Yeah. If you're trying to play dance beats and stuff like that, you have to play club. If you're doing acoustic, you can play a restaurant, you can play a winery, a brewery, anything. Mm-hmm. So we were like, let's just simplify, stop trying to be a rock band, because nobody seems to get it when it's just two people and a sequencer <laughs> or a looper pedal. They're like, eh, where's the drummer? What's going on here? You know. Yeah. And we actually had venues say that, no, if you don't have a drummer, we're not really interested what? in having you play. You know? um, you're only a two-piece. We don't quite get that. That's what's it all pre-recorded and stuff. So we took a lot of grief over that. And uh, honestly, we don't do any less when we play acoustic or more, you know, mm-hmm. well, maybe I throw some harmonica in there. So I guess technically I do more when I play acoustic, but it's the same amount of playing live. I yeah. think for me, it's more complicated um, playing the electronic set because I would have to keep track of the sequencers 
um, playing bass, jumping on pedals, and uh, working the visuals as well. So to me, it's actually more stressful. Yeah, you got to light only a slate. Yeah. Well, we have an effects generator. It's called a Critter and Katari, and um, it actually works off the sequencer beats and makes computer graphics live oh, damn. to the beat. What? And you can you can sort of you, if you had a th somebody come up from the audience, they could actually be making the graphics, tweak the graphics while while it was playing live. But uh, we would like pre-program in certain amount of it, and then she would like one of her things she would have to do on stage would be to scroll through with a foot pedal <laughs> to change the scenes. Yeah. But like she said, it's a lot for her to be bouncing around and it used to be like she had her little nasa command center for a while there because she'd have a keyboard and then her sequencers and then an accordion and a bass and <laughs> she just had a lot going on over on her side it was it was kind of funny we had a we had a couple uh a little little bit of time like where after the show, everybody wanted to go talk to her, like the gearhead people yeah. wanted to go talk to her because she had all the stuff. Oh, of course. And I'd just be packing up my guitar. I'm just a singer, right? <laughs> yeah, so but, now he told me <laughs> I can't bring a keyboard anymore and all my stuff so that people don't no, come no, talk no, to that's, me <laughs> She said she's tired of dragging that it's thing jealousy. around. She's, she's tired of dragging a big-ass keyboard around, so yeah. So we were trying to simplify, and we were going to do sequencer... Uh, looper stuff to acoustic bass and so we'd have this real simple tour mm -hmm. so that's kind of how the new album developed in a different way not as experimental as fog though i yeah. would say well More that was a based. that was a big venture you know recording um what well, uh, environmental sounds so. mm -hmm. yeah and then you know sequencing yeah. them when you were swing sequencing them was that uh before the liquor job <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. She has no time now. now. I don't have any time. <laughs> oh anymore. wow! People need their alcohol these these days. Yeah, especially during the pandemic, it's crazy. <laughs> well, she was at, she was working for this insurance company as a graphic artist before, and if there wasn't a job to do, she just had to kind of wait for a job to appear in her queue, and then she would do the job. In the downtime, she could be reading, she could be making beats. Yeah. So she's making beats. But you can also, I mean, they were battery powered, so you could take them around and you're traveling down the road making beats. You know, you can pretty much do them anywhere. Yeah. So that that's not something that's happened mm -mm. in the last couple of years. No. Um, but a lot of the stuff that we already had for Fog, we already had that stuff in Portland. Yeah, because that's when you guys were living there, we which was what, almost three years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, two. Two Actually, years ago, two. yeah. 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 So then we finished Fog here in this apartment, actually, mm. and then did the vocals. And one song we recorded uh, start to finish in Norway. But this one, I don't know if you saw the clip that I sent a while back where we recorded all the acoustic elements and the vocals in an old church in Italy. Yeah. Um, and Regula found that on airbnb basically <laughs> and uh the funny thing is it's like a desanctified church so it's a church that uh has been used as like a community center an art exhibit mm -hmm. space for a long time thinking about 50 years and um they kind of stopped doing it i think the guy who was doing it passed away 
And um, then they're like, well, we should rent out this back room. It was an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So they did. And um, it was pretty Spartan, like accommodations. It's like really, if somebody were to ask me, I'd be like, yeah, it's really not very comfortable. You could do better. But to have a little sanctuary to turn into a studio and record in was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to take that into account. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And but there were issues too because there's cicadas. You don't think of cicadas in in Italy, but Italy's a really fertile yeah. country and we're right in the middle of all this farmland. Yeah. Rolling hills of of grapes and this area is famous for its veal, its goat cheeses, its uh lots of different types of wine and uh just green riotous amounts of green and uh so you constantly have this cicada home, and bumblebees like the size of your hand. They were just huge bugs. Jeez, it was it was crazy. So you could hear that on the recording, unfortunately, just this a drowning all, all the time. Yeah, and then you got church bells, of course, because it's Italy. So every little town has somehow has five churches. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, sometimes we would wait until nightfall. So the cicadas wouldn't be that loud. Yeah. Um, And we had to turn the lights down in the church because the lights had a certain hum as Mm -hmm. well. And so we would just have a candlelight and he would record the vocals in the church by candlelight. And I opened the door at one point and all these fireflies came into the (laughs) church. Whoa. Yeah. And so I thought I was, was seeing things and he was I, there in the dark and all of a sudden it started like blinking everywhere. Yeah. It was, it was the sweetest thing. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild. That would have been cool to catch on film. Yeah. Yeah, we got some good footage, but ca- trying to capture those uh fireflies would have been a challenge, I think, <laughs> oh, with for the sure. GoPro, but but it was it was it was pretty funny though because the one night we got most of the recording done was it began with a huge thunderstorm and uh and then it cleared up and we're like well it's our last chance to get some recording now we should just go ahead and mm-hmm. go ahead and try it so we set up and i mean we were like waiting to have to bail the church we were like sweeping water out of the church it was flooding it was such a huge storm and the lightning and everything and we're like, okay, cool. And then we got a bunch of recording done, but that was that was the Firefly night, you know, with all the <laughs> with all the uh, lightning and thunder, and then eventually uh, flooded church and stuff. So it was kind of an adventure. So you guys didn't use and, uh, any of the um, lightning or thunder in the recordings? No, we didn't. We didn't. I think there are church bells on some of the tracks because I just. Um, lost track of time because <laughs> every hour on the hour and half an hour we couldn't record. Oh, geez. Sometimes you're just in the mode. Mm-hmm. And yeah there, yeah, there would be church bells in there. And I'm like, uh, it was a good take. Uh, it's not <laughs> too distracting. So let's leave it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some ambient stuff, birds and cicadas on the tracks that, you know, you're probably feeling it, but you don't necessarily hear it yeah well i think that just brings a little rawness to the track yeah yeah we hope so we hope so 
As long as it's not like church bells on three different tracks and it's like, oh, you got you. <laughs> yeah, not in time. Yeah. Just like that. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, did you guys yeah. experience any particular challenges with the new album? Uh, the recording in Italy, a lot of it was wiring and trying to find plugs that worked. And we had gotten a step down for Norway because the voltage is different. We had to have a lot of different adapters and things. Gotcha. Um, dogs barking, church bells ringing. <laughs> there was one day where it's like, we're not getting anything done. Let's just listen to what we have and see what we need to re-record because there's just a dog barking <laughs> <laughs> the whole time but um challenges as far as um the material uh we, the whole thing started back in phoenix as a Bauhaus. the Bauhaus was this mythical art school in germany between the wars between the first world war and the second world mm. all these guys are like dis disenfranchised or you know they're demoralized from the war losing a war which has got to be yeah horrible for our country um and they they needed new myths and they needed new designs and so this fellow by the name of walter gropius starts the school basically with his own money he was a bit of an aristocrat and he takes in all these veterans from the first world war that are seriously damaged people and he gives them crafts, and he gives them things to do. And so he has a school for painting and design, carpet making, furniture making, lights, anything and everything. And the whole idea was sort of to rebuild society with art first. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's this mythical art school, and one of the professors was Paul Clay. And um, so I started playing around with this idea of doing a Bauhaus album, and I had some ideas from different professors and different songs about the different professors and about the story of the Bauhaus. But it, it's kind of like if you've done art school at all and if you've read it, the Bauhaus story, you know the story. It's just why tell it? There's just um, what was more interesting to me were the characters, the odd people that ended up teaching at, yeah. at the Bauhaus. And out of that, uh, the, the forward of a book, not even the book, um, from from a fellow named Nichols Fox we, uh, Weber mm -hmm. Weber auf Deutsch, um, he he um, did a book about the personnel, and I read this book about the people of the Bauhaus, and in the foreword there's a story of of a birthday party where these artists get together and make an angel, and load it up with presents and throw it out of an airplane with a parachute on what? it, and I was like, this is so insane, and so and my mind as a former anthropologist and archaeologist i'm thinking well what if you didn't know what if you didn't know that they had hired an airplane and this angel comes down and brings you presents from the sky yeah. and so that was the whole idea and in the song it's it's this mythical event of the Bauhaus itself but also um you know, this idea of why do some people get talent and some people don't. Some people are blessed with this and some people are not. And, you know, who, who decides this stuff and who gets the presents from the sky and who, who doesn't, you know. Uh. And so there's a kind of kind of mythological thing, kind of religious connotation there. Uh, we did a video for it, which will premiere like in a few weeks. But 
I totally didn't want to do the angel because I thought, oh, that's, they're just going to think it's sacrilegious and they're going to switch off. Yeah, yeah. So I just did it as like a traditional present falling from the sky, which is now on the album cover and everything else. So, uh, okay. Um, so it's again myth making based on a, you know, a mythical story of the Bauhaus, and then I made my own version of it. So, oh, it's beautiful. That's that's how that's how fables work, right? <laughs> that's how legends work, right? Well, there was this thing, and they threw these presents out of an airplane, and it's like, it's a it's a great story, but. Um, the, the, the funny thing was, is that I did have this idea of this larger thing in this Bauhaus album, but it just didn't, didn't come together. It was more about, I found that Paul Clay needed more time, you know, he needed to be looked at more. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, is that the pandemic <laughs> crept into it, uh, political situation crept into it. Yeah, like everything else. So I wrote a song. Yeah, the last song on the album that she's playing on the grand piano. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Uh, yeah, Way to end the album. The crazy thing was is that was just in the church. Yeah. And so every morning she'd get up, have some coffee, and start playing that thing. She couldn't leave it alone. Yeah, that was my biggest distraction in the whole recording. It was having this grand piano in the church. Because I would, I would just get up in the morning and I wouldn't even change i would sit there in my pajamas and just start playing because i haven't had a big piano in the house yeah for a long time so that was that was really fun and that's a way that the recording process kind of dictated what happened because we didn't plan on putting that grand piano on the album we didn't plan on having that mm -hmm. and then we're like we need to get this on there somehow yeah and i thought we'd just do a little bit of it for uh overture type piece mm-hmm and then she she kept playing this really cool thing, and I'm like, just keep playing that. I'm going to sing the lyrics to another song over that. Yeah. So that's how the last song on the album came together. But that's a song describing a mad captain running a ship on the rocks, <laughs> aground, and the captain's gone mad, and you know we're in uncharted waters where the monsters abound. Yeah. And that's in the Paul Clay sense about. Hitler in the Third Reich and how he was running that the country of Germany upon the rocks and ruining them. Um, but of course, you can draw other <laughs> to many other connotations. world leaders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, but we didn't want to just come right out and say that. So, it was, but you know, that's a way that yeah, there's some historic, you know, parallel there. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, uh, it's it's still part of the narrative, the Paul Clay narrative. Yeah. And then the song before that, Bittersweet Place, um, is based on a painting by Clay called Bittersweet Island. And he painted that when he was in exile in Switzerland. He wanted to get back to Germany, but the Third Reich was doing its thing. Mm -hmm. They thought he was of uh, mixed race. Yeah. So they didn't want him to teach in uh, Germany. They basically barred him from teaching so he fled to switzerland and he was safe and he wasn't going to get killed and he wasn't but he wasn't really getting to do anything yeah so he was kind of like this broken piece of machinery that couldn't really function anymore but he was still a piece of machinery right he was still there but he's just yeah. wasn't and had a fire inside so him that was the yeah for sure and but I was writing that, looking out at the deserted streets during the height of the pandemic, oh. and it's like, 
well, I felt like the end of the world. So that's where that line came from. Um, watched the end of the world from the safety of my window. It was just staring out of my window. At this, it's like there's nobody on the streets. There's nothing going on. It's, it was like a ghost town or a zombie flick or something. Jeez. It was really strange. So that's long way of saying that sort of was a challenge for the material was trying to find a way to deal with the political situation, to deal with the the pandemic situation, but not be so yeah ridiculously pessimistic and depressing about it, you know. <laughs> and I feel like if you <laughs> you put like a distance to it, oh no, it's not. It's historic. Then yeah, maybe it's not as depressing because with time you can deal with depressing stuff a little more. I think. Yeah, you can for sure. But <laughs> in the moment, so it feels be- dire. Right. But once we right. get to the other side, and, you know, hopefully we're better for it. Well, and if you look at all the music that's coming out from people writing during the pandemic, it's all like, we're going to get through this. <laughs> it's going to get better one day. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I didn't want to be one of those persons doing that. Yeah, it's it's really easy to fall into those, you know, common themes and it's very easy right now to make everything political. Right. You know, that's on right. the forefront of everybody's mind. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think the Black Lives Matter uh, movement has shown that, you know, civil rights era is still going on. You know, we're still mm-hmm. in a civil rights. I mean, and with same-sex marriage with transgender rights, all these things. I mean, there's always a, there's always a fight. There's always something that you can uh, get into. I, I'm amazed though the whole Copernic thing, who I always thought was a hero. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, you don't give people a way to protest peacefully. <laughs> um, and then they're burning stuff and you're, and you're mad about it. It's like, well, yeah, the protest at the Olympics with, uh, with the black power fist held up was also not well received exactly. in its time. Yeah, the Australian um, that came in like third place, I think. Like he was mm. shunned from I I'm pretty sure from like competing or he was at least mm-hmm. blacklisted. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he was up there. I'm not sure if he raised his fist as well. Or, no, or if he was but, just, uh, he was supposed to step down, like not be in the shot yeah. or yeah. or something I, like that. I don't know. I just know that he took a lot of heat for that himself. Well, yeah, when they, they expected him to condemn it and he didn't. Yeah. He was like, no, I understand what they're doing. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, no, it's not, not to us. Yeah. But at any rate, and, you know, a few years later, uh, things change and all of a sudden Kaepernick's not such a bad guy. <laughs> Kaepernick had the right idea, right? Yeah. You know how these things change, but it always takes the Rosa Parks or the Medgar Evers or somebody that that puts their neck out there yeah, and takes that risk. Um, so I understand that we're in that moment right now and that maybe people want to write a lot of very social and political songs because... <laughs> we're living through something. I mean, aside from the pandemic, um, the, the social change, to see Confederate statues finally coming down. Yeah. After, 
you know, I mean, come on. If they had, a, if a hundred years later they had put up Hitler statues, mm-hmm. you better believe there'd be some, yeah. some people going nuts over it. But that's the thing. I mean, it was not that they put those statues up right after the Civil War. Nope. They put them up a long time after. During civil rights. Force. Yeah. Jim Crow. Well, during the Jim Crow, yeah, to try to reinforce some mythical yeah. idea of the, of the Confederacy that they didn't lose or something, you know, come on. But yeah. And then this discussion of getting rid of the bases, the names of the bases too. I think that's, it, you just got to do it. It's, it, it should have never happened. You know, it was a mistake. Stuff like you ever go to Stone Mountain, Georgia? Mm-mm, no. There's a monument to the Confederates. It's probably the size oh, of a football that, field. I have seen it. Huge, huge. It's like, Oh, amazing work of art. Yeah. But how, I mean, but if you live in Georgia, that stuff's so in your face. Oh my God. It's crazy. I mean, that's the heart of it, right? Yep. Yep. That's the mythical land of Dixie, right? So yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, who is it that said, uh, uh, Let's hope we don't live through interesting times, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, a post. Somebody's like, "I'm I'm tired of living in unprecedented times. I just want to live in precedent times." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, murder hornets. Really? Come on, seriously. How much crazier can it get? Well, you know? maybe bumblebees the size of your hand. Yeah, for <laughs> reals. I wish I got a picture of that. Those things are crazy. I was telling her about it, and she was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then she saw it the next day. She said, oh, my God, is there like the size of hummingbirds? You weren't high. (laughs) (laughs) Fertile land, fertile land. It'll do that. But Cool. So (laughs) I think think we ran through the whole album and more, huh? Probably. There's some things. Um, was there the intro was, was just kind of like easing in, nice little ambient, mm-hmm. you know, kind of set in the mood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that. Um, and yeah, that was a little. Go ahead. That was like an experiment of me sitting on the computer, just playing around with loops and and messing around on Logic, and um, yeah, that was one that kind of harkens back to that fog thing of me just sitting there i kind of got that same vibe so i'm like okay you know a little familiar and then yeah Mm -hmm. you guys switched it up right right it was cool well and and i'm i'll be curious to see what people's responses are because if you really really dig that electronic piece and and suddenly it sounds like radiohead or something (laughs) i don't know how people are gonna take it you know Uh, but it's a very varied album i think well you got your Um, whole discography is very varied very very <laughs> yeah, varied for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i mean we I, this album since it's got a concept and since it's a life story of somebody is probably the most tied together conceptually yeah and there are lines from songs that repeat and other songs and all that sort of stuff mm. themes from songs Callbacks. that repeat there's a rep- yeah there's a reprise of floating free at the end of uh, presence from the sky and then it monsters abound it mentions a line from another song and all it's really tied together but mm-hmm. stylistically genre wise i think it's still a really varied like straight up r&b song yeah um 
Pearl in the Shell, which is just so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one I can tell mm. it could really get some some legs real real fast. Mm. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean, and that's that's regular's jam there. That's I'm like, oh, no, bass out further, out further. Mm-hmm. Let's let's because you know that's how that song has to be. Yep. I recorded probably twelve guitar tracks, and in the end, I'm like, nah, just get rid of all those, keep the bass. Yeah. <laughs> so you just barely hear them in the background. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's good. Keep the bass. So it's got to have that that muscle shoals groove to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I definitely got, uh, uh, like you said, R&B vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a bass player, so I appreciate the bass line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you have a good bass player, you should you should show them off for sure. You know? Well, and you have a great one. <laughs> um as slow as the last song is that might be my initial favorite really yeah um i like the spooky song i like the vibe yeah yeah and that's one that evolved because we recorded several different versions of it Mm -hmm. and we just weren't happy with it and i mean it started off kind of dirgy guitar Leonard Cohen type thing and then it sort of went to a Tom Waits type thing <laughs> and then it, and she came in with this like driving bass line it made me think of the doors okay so we tried to go in that direction and in the end we're just like I'm just like I'm gonna sing the lyrics over what you're playing on the piano and yeah. she's like I don't know what I'm playing on the piano I was just well just keep playing it just keep playing it it sounds good it sounds dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, once we got back to Basel, I just started to... Dramatic or demented. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thin line. There's a thin line between that. And I layered on all that cello and stuff when we got back home to try to make it, you know, to emphasize that sort of almost classical feel that it has. Like some... It feels dramatic to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got a grand piano. It's... Mm-hmm. It's, there's something melancholic about it just the sound of it right yeah so uh no i'm well i'm glad you liked that one because that was one that we we put a lot of work into in the end i i don't envy her having to mix the stuff because it's sometimes 30 (laughs) tracks on there you know or more or more or more (laughs) and then more and then one more track yeah Yeah. and then uh, let's do that one again and that one again and yeah Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. Luckily, she likes to tinker and yeah. learn these things. It's almost it's bad though because almost every album we end up with a new interface, mm-hmm. a new gear, <laughs> a new stuff we have to dial in. Like the last two albums we did on the Kemper system, yep, and uh, that had, had to figure all that out. Kemper figured heavily into this album because "Presence from the Sky," that weird jangly guitar thing that's in there. Uh-huh. It's like a harmonizer effect from the Kemper that first time I heard it, I was like, wow, listen to that. And I just jammed on it for like an hour and that's no, where the days, song came from. weeks, months. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the song came from was this weird sound from the Kemper. And then on um, Bittersweet Place as well, there's a weird phasey guitar thing that I got off the Kemper. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those deals where it's like the guitar effects sometimes inspire song you know yeah. you just have a new effect you have some new sounds and you're like mm-hmm. oh cool where can i go with this but uh yeah your mind just starts racing I, like 
you know, my wife was asking, he's like, oh, you know, what do you got going on today? We're setting up. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I have John and Regula on and you guys are always creating. So I can imagine <laughs> you guys, you know, just scratching that itch. And he, I could just picture Regula just walking to work and hearing a sound and be like, her mind just races. And it's like, let's expand on it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah it's like that um and we'll both be somewhere hearing sounds or like the a bunch of the ones that were on fog were from walking around in barcelona mm-hmm. and like weird sounds on the street there that we got like a intercom on the blink and other things so uh uh i think we probably talked about that at the what was the name of that place the monkey last Timeout. Timeout. Timeout Lounge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a fun tour, <laughs> though. That was a cool tour. Yeah, that was. We we missed not being able to get to go to the states. It sucks to not be able to go. Yeah, because that was still. last year. Yeah, in September like of last year. About a month ago. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was right around Halloween because. Uh, oh, that's right. We were in. Bisbee we did the Bisbee Halloween, Halloween show, mm-hmm. the Halloween weekend. So. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Bisbee for Halloween. Oh my god! So they have yeah. a, a few haunted attractions, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. We saw. We walked by this one place, and they're gearing up for like a the spookiest seance you've ever. Ooh. I was like, "Ooh, I not just keep walking. <laughs> I don't even want to look in there." There was like candles, and the whole table was ready for the seance, and they were gonna. I'm like, "Yeah, we got to go play a gig. I don't even want to see what." <laughs> yeah. They're bringing out of there, you know. You think some of was, my uh, songs was, are de- demonic now? Wait till after this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we had it because we were playing in Bisbee and Jerome, where there are a lot of haunted places. Haunted stuff figured into a couple of songs on older albums. Yeah. We're, you know, singing about um, haunted hotels and whatnot and uh, hearing crazy stories from other bands. Mm-hmm. That maybe we're playing at a festival or something like the Side Pony Festival and hearing crazy stories like, yeah, I didn't get any sleep because all this weird stuff went down in this hotel. And I'm like, great. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad we were camping and not staying in this hotel. But uh, <laughs> So have you guys ever witnessed any abnormalities, spirits? Uh, we haven't. Some friends of Regulus did. They actually went with the little recorders. Mm-hmm. They can supposedly pick up EMF, uh, paranormal sounds. Yeah, and they picked up some weird stuff. Um, and they played it back for us, and we're like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> that's, <laughs> there was one. It was like, "Just get in your car, just go." No, really, no, seriously. And there was another one where it, it was more a kid's voice. There was, was another like one that was like, a, "Yeah, that was another weird. one where." Spooky stuff, but a friend of mine um, looked shell-shocked in the morning, and I was like, do you sleep at this hotel last night? And, yeah, I tried to. I slept in my car. And <laughs> Jeez. I was like, what happened? He's like, he turned the sink on to see it. He, he woke up at 3 in the morning and said I, I he just couldn't sleep. He just got up, and he turned the steam. He steamed up the mirror, turned the hot water Uh-oh. on in the sink trying to get a message trying to see if the spirit was going to leave him a message 
and it was a little kid's handprint Ooh. and he freaked and he left and then we're we were talking and if people next to us are overhearing us talking they're like you guys all woke up at three as well yeah something weird was going on at three and they're like yeah we were out drunk like passed out drunk and suddenly we're all awake at three Ooh. the whole like everybody in this whole room and so weird stories happen to other people, but we ha- we haven't had anything really that I can think of. No, I think we're too weird for those. <laughs> <places. laughs> I'm gonna keep my distance from them over there. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, we missed those days though. Those those were fun days playing all over Arizona and uh, just messing around we we won't i don't think we'll ever have another time in our life where we've played so many shows like in a year yeah and had so many regular gigs and um we'll build up some friendships like we have a friendship going with a place called the lab Mm -hmm. and it's an art food theater live venue yeah um and they just have crazy stuff uh, real experimental things, but the guy really likes us. The guy who runs the place, and we've played there a few times. And I went and cooked gumbo for nice. <laughs> his guest cook there, because he's all into New Orleans stuff. And he tried to make gumbo for us. I'm like, oh, let me make some gumbo for you one time. And he he came up and asked, and he was like, well, we're gonna have blue show. You want to do some gumbo? I'm like, sure. So he, we went to the grocery store, got all the stuff, mm-hmm. and made a real gumbo. But he didn't really quite realize what that was when i agreed to do that that i was giving away a day of my life to do this gumbo (laughs) because you it takes the whole damn day right so uh, but at any rate yeah we we were able to play a few shows at this place but it's it's a far cry from when we were in phoenix and playing like 90 shows in a year or something like that you know yeah um like weekly monthly shows um at certain places and the year as well like 2020 has just been difficult for everybody mm-hmm. and the restaurant closed and yeah all the bars and yeah. restaurants and closed so. or operating at 25 to 50 percent capacity exactly it's rough is it still recording oh, okay okay <laughs> sorry just making sure we're still recording yeah you're good <laughs> yes we because we tend to talk. <laughs> we? You? <laughs> hey, leave me out of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to. <laughs> well, you know how it is. You know, you make an album, you're excited about it. Yeah. When's Especially it Especially if it's something. Drop? Well, it's in pre-sales now, so you can already order it. And some people are picking up, have ordered the vinyl, which should come out in February. Oh, okay. Because uh, it takes a few months to produce it. Yeah. It's being produced in the Czech Republic. Um, and it'll be a limited edition red vinyl. Okay. Looks great. Um, and uh, then we're going to do like the Fog Companion. We've got a, a companion for this one as well. Very cool. Uh, so you'll be able to read the lyrics and hear more about the songs. As yeah. if, you know. And I love uh, that stuff, man. Yeah, I do too. And as a as somebody who really reads the liner notes on albums and <laughs> the more that an artist will, will give you the, the better. Um, I mean, it's just, uh, just gives you this connection to the, 
to the creative process and everything. Yeah. We're following the same format as Fog, where it's like musically what happened, how it evolved, where it came from, uh, the lyrics, uh, the background of the story of the song, if there is one. And, and in this case, it's all biographical or semi-biographical to Paul Clay. So yeah. there's, if there was ever an album that needed a companion, it would be this one because there's so much behind it. So, uh, I mean, Fog is, was uh, a concept album as well, mm-hmm. and there was certainly a lot to it. Um, but this is just different because it's, you know, trying to trying to uh, give you a, a sense for somebody who actually lived, you know, versus a strange phenomenon like Fog. Yeah. Um, the album actually drops on the 18th of December. That was the answer. That, that was the original question. <laughs> but I was said that, like I said, you could pre-order it. You could pre-order it already. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then we've got a video coming out, I think, on the 13th. I think the video drops. That'll be the first video for Presence from the Sky, which was uh, based on some of my drawings that uh, regular am- animated. Oh, nice. And put together so uh it's gonna look cool um yeah i'm excited for that and you see some of this stuff on the album cover come to life you know some of the, the characters and things that are in there so that'll make a little more sense yeah as well as like on presence from the sky there's some machine noises mm-hmm. that just pop up in there i don't know if you noticed it but there sounds like a clock and some other things it's for the video because in the video, there's a flying machine that goes buzzing by that's dropping the presents from the sky. Oh, wow. So you had the right, song so, written, then you wrote right. or edited the video, and then decided mm-hmm. you wanted to add sounds to the original right. track. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we need the flying machine in there. Because I mentioned mythical golden creatures and a flying mach- whimsical flying machine kind of thing in the song. And so I always thought this should be that. But honestly, I mean, when, when I was reading the story of the presence from the sky story, um, I already saw it in my mind, mm-hmm. the whole video, you know? And so it's a strange thing that I was like, Oh, well, um, I can, I can see writing this song because I already know what the video would be. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like that. So I was thinking of it visually to begin with, um, which is pretty unusual. That doesn't, I don't know that many people, I, I guess if you're trying to tell a story, you can envision a story, but yeah, I was already had this crazy idea for, for a cartoon video to before the song was even written. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. So the album is called Luip Elk, which is, which is Paul Clay jumbled. Mm, oh, okay. And it was a, so it's backwards, basically, Paul Clay, backwards. Yeah. Um, and he used that and signed letters and things. It was sort of a secret artist name that he had. Oh, okay. Uh, very few people know it. In fact, there's a scholar of Paul Clay that just bought an album. He just pre-ordered it. And he wrote and said, oh, I wonder how many people know what Loop Elk is. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people will pick up on it. Um, but he is a scholar of Paul Clay and he's a, he knew exactly, right away. but he thought it was really, really amazing that we were doing this. Um, and so it's kind of funny that it's a secret, secret name that the artist had. And so you kind of have to know a little bit about the artist and to realize 
what it is. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, in this day and age with art being worth millions upon millions and yeah. whole museums dedicated to Paul Clay, uh, we didn't know if we'd get in trouble for even using his name. Oh, that's true. You know? If we had called it Paul Clay, if would we get sued by the Paul Clay Museum or something, right? So, because there is one here mm-hmm. in Switzerland that's the Centrum Paul Clay, because he, he was born in Switzerland, um, but he was of German descent. Mm-hmm. So, um, they didn't have birthright citizenship in the way that, you know, many countries have it now. So, at that time, if you were, if your dad was German and you were born in Switzerland, you're still you're German. Still German. Yeah. And you had to apply for your citizenship. And he, so he, you know, that's the weird thing because he's born in Switzerland and he was really a German citizen. So he hadn't, like, he got drafted for the First World War. He was in, on the front, you know, he was in the, in the war. As a German citizen, he had to go do his duty for Germany. Um, and then he taught all of his, his whole career, he, he taught in Germany. And he never wanted to leave, but uh, he kind of had to just to not get put into a prison camp or something you know yeah so um and he he taught art yeah he taught art and uh he had a lot of theories on art and color that are taught today still oh wow um his his theories were some of the most important ones to any art student anytime you're on photoshop and you see that little color wheel Mm -hmm. that's there on that came from the Bauhaus. that came from those guys Johannes Eaton was a colleague of his, but they've all, but they both came up with the color wheel and wrote about it and things like this. So yeah. it's one of those weird ways, again, for somebody who studied art and somebody who tries to be a musician, you know, to have a little bit of overlap of the, of the two. And then as well, I would say to anybody who's out there struggling to write a song, pick up a book on something um, like like the Bauhaus or something, you know. There's inspiration and in, there's stories in those in, in history and in art uh, history that uh, you can get whole albums from, you know. <laughs> so, and, you know, maybe uh, branch out for people who are looking for inspiration. But hopefully, people will will dig up Paul Clay and discover what he wrote and discover what uh, his art through this album. We're, we're hoping yeah. that people will be curious about that. Yeah, I know I will. Um, do you guys have any Paul Elk like paintings yourself? Or maybe, not, obviously not the originals, but mm-hmm. any, any work of his in your place? Well, the, the cover, the figure on the cover mm-hmm. um, that will be the figure in the video and everything is based on one of his famous paintings. But it's it's kind of a caricature of it. Yeah. It's not, it's not an exact copy. Gotcha. And it sort of has like a African mask feel to it or something like this. And he did a lot of pieces like that. He did a lot of pieces that were sort of, uh, strange, like whimsical creatures and mm-hmm. strange whimsical machines and things. One of my favorite pieces from him was a piece called the twittering machine. And it's just this weird, wiry little creature looking thing. And it's the sort of thing that when Regulo sees it, she hears sounds, you know. She she's like, Oh, I know what that sounds like. I know what that machine sounds like. Oh, okay. Um Um, so there's some there's some crossover there for sure. And and being that 
uh, I lived for a long time in Switzerland. I was at the Centrum Paul Clay a lot, and I and so I was getting this information from that museum, sort of directly, um, and ingesting it. And so some of the songs are inspired by things that I saw in exhibits there. But mm-hmm. he's all over the internet for sure. You can you can see some amazing things from him. He's he's got paintings in New York. He's got paintings in Chicago. A lot of paintings in Berlin when we were there. Um, yeah, he's he's one of those big names yeah. in the art world. So uh, don't want to get sued. <laughs> Better change the name. <laughs> and so even the titles like Bittersweet Place uh, is this, is the title of the song, but the painting that it was based on is actually called The Bittersweet Island. Uh-huh. And that was Switzerland for him, that he was alive, he was surviving the Third Reich, but he was not really doing much. Yeah. He was kind of in limbo. Um, but I didn't want to use the title because I forgot. I, I know that thing is in Bern. It's at the museum in Bern, and I know they'll come after me if I use the title because we don't have any connection to them, right? And art is big, big business. Yeah. There's, they sell millions of posters and, and T-shirts and everything of Paul Clay, so we didn't want to go up against those guys. Uh, <laughs> so we... We we make pains to say that it's an homage, but it's not a copy of anything he did. So yeah. you're not going to see any of his art on the album. That long yeah. story short. <laughs> well, I don't think there should be any major issue with that. I mean, you guys just drew inspiration from his right. artwork. And what more as an artist could you ask for than to inspire others? Yeah, yeah. Um, art inspires art is the old expression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, there's, there's whole albums in the life of Picasso or, or Jean Miro or some of these people, cause they lived through dramatic things. They lived through real events, you know, crazy stuff Wars. like from the first world war to the second world war and the great depression and everything else. So, yeah, was there, um, there's overlap obviously with Picasso and him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was also exiled in Switzerland. Picasso at that time. Yeah. Hanging out with, uh, um, he was living, he, I believe he was roommates with Giacometti for a little while. Really? Yeah. A lot of the really big artists of the time either escaped to New York mm-hmm. or they were hiding in Switzerland because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, you know, they were deemed degenerate by Hitler. Like they had a, there's a famous exhibit, um, you should look it up sometime called the Degenerate Artist Exhibit from Hitler. And he had a, sh- a show of all the artists that he thought were of mixed race, of uh, Jewish uh, faith, um, or were uh, propagating something that was not fitting with the Third Reich. Yeah. And Paul Clay was right there, along with Egon Schiele and a lot of other artists as degenerate artists. Mm-hmm. All jazz music. All this, you know, it was all degenerate. <laughs> Couldn't have any of this stuff. So, um, you know, that was, that was what he was up against kind of a George Orwell 1984 type thing of being punished for what you're thinking and what you're creating and, and maybe going to jail for it, maybe being executed for it. So these guys really had to escape Giacometti, uh, you know, the greatest, uh, Swiss sculptor, uh, one of the greatest sculptors ever. He fled to Geneva on a bike with a bunch of refugees Barely got into Geneva. Jeez. They they talk about like the 
the German planes like machine gunning down the civilians trying to escape the refugees and he he barely escaped he jumped in a ditch and nearly got shot you know it's crazy stories yeah. you know really crazy stories but yeah Picasso and and all these guys um did shows together in some cases so uh the Bauhaus artists uh were like Kandinsky and Paul Clay and Johannes Eaton and uh, um quite a few other guys but yeah, there's there's definitely overlap there. The same kind of same kind of deal because Picasso refused to go back to Spain because of Franco, the dictator there. He was exiled in New York, and uh, he had a house in Greece for a while too. But that's that period of time. <laughs> I mean, but Franco lived till like 1980. Oh, really? So you imagine like Mussolini sticking around till 1980. <laughs> That'd have been crazy. <laughs> yeah. But that's basically what it was like. It was like the fascist dictator of Spain that didn't go away till 1980. But, I mean, was he ruling uh, until he finally passed? He was he was feeble, um, but he was still technically in charge. Yeah. And so there are a lot of Spanish movies where they depict him as this guy in a wheelchair that was not really on top of his game anymore. And... Uh, they even like draw parallels to Don Quixote and stuff like this, where he's kind of delusional yeah, it. character. Um, but he was still there. And like Jean Miro, amazing surrealist, uh, refused to go, you know, refused to leave. But he couldn't exhibit in Spain. <laughs> Salvador Dali wouldn't leave. And he couldn't exhibit in Spain because he was considered, you know, degenerate. So Jean Miro and Dali had museums doing exhibits to them out in other countries, but not in Spain because they were banned by Franco. So, uh, strange, strange that art and fascism. Don't go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're a writer, you're an artist, you got to kind of figure that you're top of the list. When they start carting people off, you're probably going to. Ain't that crazy? You're going to be at the top of the list. All you're doing is expressing yourself. But they're scared of what kind of influence you might have on other people. Oh, for sure. Um, and you're not sharing their worldview. You're proposing another worldview. How dare you, right? Yeah. How dare you propose that, oh, maybe we can tolerate other religions and other, you know, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. But this is, uh, I think... You know, like I was saying with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's a lot of times it's the people who have the courage, you know? Yeah. Uh, who's going to take, you know, John Lewis's place and who's going to be the next Rosa Parks or who's going to, you know? Yeah. And artists can do these things. Artists can certainly protest peacefully. Um, it just doesn't mean that people are going to react to you peacefully, <laughs> you know? Yep. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get shot for it, but... Um, so we only play places with chicken wire in the future. <laughs> if they start throwing stuff at us, jeez. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, if you write about a historic figure and people have to kind of decode it, mm. you're probably safe because <laughs> people aren't going to go through the trouble usually, you know. But hopefully, I mean, people can listen to the new album and draw their own connections, yeah. you know. I'll definitely have to, because I I didn't realize that it was about the artist 
and I'm na- I'm not even familiar with the artist. So now you've opened up, right. you know, s- a subject that I can kind of immerse myself in. The book that I did I found so intriguing was called the Ballhouse Group, mm-hmm. and it's from Nichols Fox Weber, uh, readily available. And it's just profiles of the artist, mm-hmm. um, the important names from the Bauhaus. And some of them are architects, some of them were designers, some of them were writers. Um, and Clay taught painting. But because of the destruction of the First World War, they were all kind of trying to find uh, a new foundation. So they, pen- they coined this phrase starting from zero, mm-hmm. which is the first song on the, on the uh, album. Mm-hmm. And it was a sort of mantra of, well, isn't this exciting? We're starting from zero because there's nothing left after the First World War. We, and obviously, Western civilization's gone off the rails, so let's, let's start from zero. Yeah. It's the only way to go about it. Um, but yeah, I would encourage you to read that book. It's an awesome book. Um, and it gives you a good sense of that time period and the problems that they were going through. Because eventually they, they shut the school down yeah. voluntarily because Hitler didn't like it, wanted to take control of it. Uh-huh. Um, so it's got this, it holds this place in art history as this mythical school that was, wasn't was an incredible idea. Hitler, like an artist himself, like a painter. I've always heard like that story. He was, uh, he was a, uh, he in fact painted postcards and sold them on the street. Oh, really? On uh, a few of them has survived. Wow. Um, he wanted to go to be an architect, and he was turned down from the school. Yeah. Um, he came back after the First World War, uh, basically what we would call a disabled veteran now. Mm-hmm. You know, he was wounded and suffered from gas and stuff. And he um, he tried to be an artist, tried to be a designer and a, an architect, and he was turned down. And my architecture professor, I was doing a class uh, in Colorado on modern architecture, and he, he slammed his hands on the desk and went, the worst day in the last hundred years of Western civilization was the day that Adolf Hitler was rejected from architecture school. <laughs> if he would have just been a mediocre architect banging out horrible buildings, a whole lot of people would have been spared wow. probably, you know? Yeah. Um, a whole other history. But, you know, but if you read that stuff, you read about what they believed in things, um, they would have found another person yeah to be their figurehead and they even said it themselves that yeah if Hitler were dead we would have still done this damn you know so um but they just needed somebody that could be that cartoon character of and he was a good speaker Mm -hmm. and a good writer and he and he played on people's uh fears Fears, unfortunately Mm -hmm. and uh their primal urges but you're demoralized, and suddenly somebody's giving you national pride again. Yeah, what are you gonna do? That's uh, that's that's like a heroin for for folks, you know. That's uh, too easy to to get hooked on, I think. And you see it, you see it happen now and then, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden there, where are all these flags waving all the time? All of a sudden, why are we doing this? Yeah, why are we going down this path? Uh, and you look at the rhetoric 
of that time period, and it's chilling. It's it's Justin parallels to, to read. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's let's build a wall and stuff. Um, not that different. Yeah. Uh, sadly, but uh, anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> not to doom and gloom. <laughs> Yeah, keep it light. Keep it light. Well, all right. So pre-orders yeah, on the album. Lope Elk. Yep. Did I say it right? Yep. Lope Elk. Lope Elk. Yep. Available now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The video um, for Presents from the Sky or Gifts from the Sky. Mm-hmm. Presents from the Presents Sky. Presents from yeah. the Sky drops the, on the 13th. Uh, right. Um, and then the official release... Uh, for digital and all, will be the 18th uh-huh. of December, which was his birthday, Paul Clay's oh, birthday. Oh, okay. So that's why we timed it. Nice. A lot of stuff lining up for um, you. Yeah. And then uh, sometime in late January, February, we should have the vinyl. Limited edition red press. Hand. Yeah, yeah. We're excited about that. Uh, we, we kept it... Uh, Try to keep the song lengths kind of shorter to make sure that it's a higher quality vinyl has has good amount of volume and stuff on it. And, gotcha. Um, having gone through that with Neon Glitz, yeah. we kind of learned that it's a unique thing. Um, Wait, so what gives you a higher volume output on a vinyl? You want to go there? Or do you want to? <laughs> okay, well, so if you... If you, you, you want a long answer or a short long. answer? Long like let him answer. Okay, so one. so if you if you if you put your hand in front of your face and you go that's um you know that's a change of you pressure. Yes, yes, I'm getting there. There's a change of air pressure, right? Yep. And air pressure is what sound is. Yeah. So your ear vibrates based on the change of air pressure. Um, and what Thomas Edison figured out with his wax cylinders was, oh, we can do a copy of that pressure. So carving into a wax cylinder, they discovered that it's a sort of topographical map of sound. Mm-hmm. And so you have just these very primitive grooves that are imitating the, the change of air pressure. Okay, so if you imagine you're driving... And you suddenly drive over a pothole. That's that sound you're missing. So you have to consider that the record is mixed in a way that that needle stays and goes into that pothole instead of over it. Mm-hmm. And you miss sound. You miss information. So every little groove, the needle has to ride smoothly through it. The problem is, is when you get to the end of an album it's getting very small so you don't have as many grooves so you should make you should have the uh you should have the quieter songs towards the end of the album where you have less real estate really right so if you imagine you know the outside of the album you've got plenty of space right yeah as you get closer and closer to the center um the grooves um the the amount of grooves that you can have is limited long story short so on uh, you get these really good recordings they're super heavy vinyl um so the grooves are really in there yeah and then as well um 
the song length is very, or uh, the song, uh, the length of the sides is very short. So like you get an album like Prince's 1999, back in the day it was two sides. When you get it now, it's super heavy and it's four sides. So that you don't have that volume drop mm-hmm. as you lose grooves or potential for grooves um, towards the center. So you want to keep it down to like 15 minutes per side. Damn. So that you don't run out of information. You can still do it. I mean, we have a St. Vincent album that's just as good as anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she did it, but it's full. It's like six songs on a side, and it's really high quality. So I think if you start with really good source material, but quite honestly, if you have like the bass in the wrong spot on the mix and things like this, the needle will just jump right out of there like that potholes story I was talking about, and you miss that information. So you have to mix with uh, vinyl uh, in mind. Um, and you have to have it mastered specifically for vinyl or that it's a little wonky. CD's different. CD's like you want a big fat signal, as much information as you could, you can, um, versus, uh, you know, a primitive form of recording yeah. that, uh, there's honestly, you know, there's a <laughs> stylus writing on this little groove and that's what's, it's, it's mind boggling when you think about it, but it is, um, uh, I'm so glad that it's kind of come back and that people care about it again. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's, it's a, a better It's experience. a different connection. You, you can almost equate it like um, driving a stick shift or something, you know? Yeah. It's, it's more of a, yeah, control of it. a raw adventure, I guess. Yeah, and I think the thing that, happen was is that there's a kind of listening fatigue if you're listening to mp3s and mp4s and you know they're just a lower quality um copy of a copy anyhow Mm -hmm. um you're not hearing the full range of the song for one so then the listening experience is already diminished uh and then you get tired of hearing it because it's not rich it's not whereas you put that album on and you're you're having to flip that thing and you're having to spend time with it. It's a more meditative process. I think it's a more, there's more intent there to listen versus putting on an iPod classic back in the day and letting it go for months before you, you know, <laughs> to do anything to it. Cause you just put your whole library on shuffle yep. and leave it for a month or two. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, that's, that's a bad, ex- that's a different type of experience. And, that's sort of why we were doing the companions mm-hmm. to the albums was to get back to that. Oh, trying to give you a connection to the music through and a connection to the artist. Uh, that's a little more tactile. Are those being included <laughs> with the digital or just the vinyl? With the vinyl for sure. Um, but we might offer it on Bandcamp separate with the digital as well. Yeah. As a electronic download. Yeah. Or um with the last one we had it um just offered to ship just the companion itself and there were some people that just bought the companion so Mm -hmm. i think people who don't have a record player and still want to have something tactile in their hand they're still going to go for it Mm -hmm. well and uh, the nicest thing you were one of the the persons that was saying this too that um 
a lot of people were very complimentary. Like it was just such a nice experience to sit down and open the companion and read the lyrics and look at the pictures. And it, and it was just such, it was so beautifully done. I think the fog companion that it was just nice to look at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and people were saying, yeah, it was just a great experience. It was a great idea. It was wonderful that you did this because we just, uh, it wasn't just listening to a new recording. It was actually felt like an experience more. So, um, yeah, it brings the whole album definitely. together, and instead of just listening to a single, mm-hmm. you know, you go on a ride like you used to. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid with old LPs, it was like the album artwork was just as much a part of it as as everything else, and you're trying to look for clues that the artist mm-hmm. gave you in the album cover of oh. Look at this on the back. There are these little figures. Oh, that's from this song, and that's you know you're you're kind of decoding it. Um, I think like the best example of that's probably Sergeant Pepper, where you can stare at that thing for for years and try to figure out who all those people are on there. And yeah. um, uh, so, I mean, it's nice to have those kinds of uh, extra extra experiences along with the listening. Definitely. Beautiful, man. Well, I know it's getting late there. You guys are in Switzerland, <laughs> to recall. Right. And apologies because I have a camera here, a mic here, camera there, mic there. So it's interfering with my <laughs> speaking. So that's why I've been like really slow and drawn out. So if you're listening, my apologies. But this is what we had to do to make it happen. You guys are what eight <laughs> nine hours ahead of me, so, and my wife says yeah, it's lunchtime. Like <laughs> oh, the real reason. Oh, okay, yeah. oh, gotcha. Come say hi. I got you. No, no, she, she's embarrassed. <laughs> All right. All right. You could just spin the camera over. No. Yeah, I know, right? No. But then I'd have to show you the mess as I'm in my daughter's room. <laughs> uh, Coop, you remember Coop? Uh-huh. He did this acrylic, ten uh, inch oh, nice. drum head. He's a woodworker, oh, so he cool. did the frame. That's my daughter's ultrasound. And then above that, you recognize it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it earlier. Neon glitz vinyl. Right, right. So I uh, had to was... take over her room. <laughs> <laughs> Commandeer, as it were. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's yeah. good to see you again in Likewise. this weird way. We had a friend in Germany that we were doing happy hour with like this. Oh, nice. Zoom like, or Google meets happy hour. Yeah. And then his, his Finnish girlfriend would dial in from Helsinki and. Wow. <laughs> it like, you know, three countries going all at once there. So. That's wild. Uh, it's, it's strange. It's a weird time, but, uh. I mean, it's still good to see you. Still good to talk to you. Yeah, it's somehow, not the in person, but we're still exchanging sound waves and uh, yeah. Yeah. photons. <laughs> <laughs> something. Yeah. Something. Ideas. Awesome. Just well, no hug no hug. big hugs, though, or anything like that. And no, you can't smell the fry vat at the timeout lounge or anything like that. <laughs> or the pool balls uh bleeding in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. And then some kind of like hunter game in the background too, I think. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. take care and thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, we'll send you some files. Perfect, man. But yeah, keep me posted cool. and feel free to tag me in, you know, anything you guys have going on. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks so much. All right, yeah. guys. Stay up. Ciao. Bye. Adios. <laughs> Adios. And that was Johnny Sanchez and Regula from Switzerland of the band Upper Strata. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, this is my first time back since COVID hit. So it's a little rocky. And uh, it was the first time I was also doing a stream or you know, not an in-person interview, which I prefer. So um, if you made it to the end, appreciate it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks.